This podcast is proud to be sponsored by DVD Netflix. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Well, today I am so pleased to welcome one of the best film writers currently working today, the wonderful Sheila O'Malley, a regular film critic for RogerEbert.com and a member of the prestigious New York Film Critics Circle. Sheila's work has also appeared in Film Comment, The New York Times, The LA Times, Criterion Collection, Sight and Sound, and other outlets. A scene from her full-length script, July and half of August was turned into a short film, which played at the Albuquerque Film and Music Experience, as well as at Ebert Fest. She's written the narration scripts for two tribute reels played at the Lifetime Achievement Oscar Ceremony, one for recipient Jenna Rollins, read by Angelina Jolie, and one for recipient Anne V. Coates, read by Diane Lane. Additionally, she writes about actors, movies, and Elvis at her personal site, The Sheila Variations. Sheila, I want to thank you so much for being here. I always love talking movies with you, and I love following your work and following you on social media and have the best time whenever we are able to connect. So how are you doing, and how has this summer been treating you? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I think it's been a while. It's been definitely a while uh, since I've been on your wonderful yeah. podcast. So it's um, I'm really excited to come back. And it's been so fun, as I said to you on Instagram today, watching how this podcast has developed and what you've mm -hmm. created here. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. And my summer has been super busy. You know, my car died and I'm moving in like two weeks. So that's what I've got going on. And um, it's been a busy year of work too. I've had a couple big assignments that have been really fun. And, um, you know, that's where I'm at. Yes. So, well, I'm sorry about the car dying. I, I didn't know. know about was, that one. That's it's not in the plan. Not no, <laughs> no. Wouldn't it be weird if it's like my plan was for my car to die? And, I need my yeah. car. I was knew it was on its last legs, but I was hoping it was going to die in like <laughs> November. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that happened. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. But you have had some wonderful assignments. I was telling you off air that I love this piece that you wrote for Criterion recently about Elvis, which is your area of expertise and what brings you back today. The last time we talked was for physical media. It was like last winter about the new release of Elvis, uh, Blue Hawaii. We had a lot of fun with that and cracked each other up and it was a blast. So yes. The other thing I love that you wrote recently was the essay on After Hours, which was such a good, you were the perfect person to write it. And I was really excited when I saw that they had assigned it to you. And then when I read it, of course, I was. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. That was one of those. Okay. It was kind of out of the, out of left field, but I had done the, um, I'd done a video essay on Raging Bull the summer before. So I think they liked, some, I don't know. I was like, okay, after hours, sometimes I get assignments from them. And I'm like, oh, the great escape. Okay. I love the great escape. I'll write about <laughs> great escape. Um, but after hours was, it's one of those releases 
like people were so excited that Criterion was yes. doing it. Like there's a whole Reddit board devoted to after hours. You know, the fan base is really, really strong for it. So it was really fun to be part of something that ever like people were just so excited about. Um, it's such a wild movie. I love that movie. Me too. It's my favorite movie to watch, like at the end of a really bad day or a bad date. I told because I had Amy Robinson and Griffin Dunn on with my friend Kate. That's right. Hagen. I saw that. That's great. Yes. And I told uh, Griffin that, you know, after my car got broken into on a really bad date, like I was giving him the let's be friends speech. And then I see the car is broken. I'm like, I have to spend more time with this guy. And then so as soon as I got home, like I'm watching after hours, man. Right. So, yes. <laughs> we've all had nights like that although yes quite as bad but like you can't seem to get home you are stuck (laughs) of yeah yes no it's really and watching it like over and over like it doesn't get old like i keep forgetting stuff about it so i'll watch it again i'm like oh my god Catherine o'hara okay and i saw it like the week before i keep hoping he's gonna get home and why he doesn't choose to walk home like that's one of the most interesting like it never occurs to him to go, okay, I'll just walk 80 blocks. I'm just walking. Yeah. No, doesn't occur to him. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing is stopping you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is a really good point. It's like, come on, you know, put why are you putting yourself through this? I've walked 80 blocks. You can do it. It yeah. sucks, but you know, what is the alternative? Well, thank goodness the alternative <laughs> right. is the movie, but right. Yes. right. Absolutely. Is there anything you're working on that you can give us a sneak preview of or anything you want to give a shout out to that's recent? um, Let's see. Well, I still I'm reviewing movies every week for Roger Ebert. I'm very grateful to still I just had my 10 year anniversary of writing weekly reviews for them, which is a gig that a lot of people don't have. And I'm really uh, grateful for it. Um, the fun thing about that is you never know what you're going to get. Like you get assignments and I am excited. I interviewed, uh, an author about a book that's coming out, um, in two weeks. I'm not going to say who it is or what it is, but I'm very excited about that. Um, special things for them, but, uh, yeah, right now I'm kind of just getting ready for my move and clearing the deck. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. And as I'm talking to Sheila, she has, of course, her wall of books, which I love because my I like to joke that I live in a used bookstore. And so <laughs> Sheila and I are kind of kindreds on our, our love of books that we have maybe a little too many, but also whenever oh. we work on something, we have stacks going. I mean, you have yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the worst part of moving is the books. I'm like, damn it. I have to deal with these now, okay. <laughs> but it is what it is. Yes. Well, you should probably dive into it. I'm so glad that you suggested Elvis movies because for whatever reason, I was getting sent Elvis movies to review when I was kind of on the review um, beat way back when. It was like every January and every August, you get these new box sets of Elvis movies. Right. You get to watch live. Yeah. Yes. But he made so many films that there yeah. were a few that were new to me that you selected that I was very excited about. I think we probably talked about this in the past, but just so people don't have to go digging for it, I would love to know 
you are famous for being an Elvis Presley scholar, my favorite Elvis scholar. So please tell everyone about your love of Elvis and what got you into it. You know, I've thought of that and I, I'm not sure what got me into it. Like, I like he's was just always kind of just there as a child. Like, I don't remember learning about him or like having an aha moment. Um, I remember seeing like maybe even blue Hawaii on TV on like afternoon TV. So I had no idea. I feel like I thought he was a movie star. Like I wasn't aware I was a kid. So I just didn't yeah. know what he was famous for, but I knew he was famous and I, it took me a while to turn it around and go, Oh no, he's not famous really for the movies. He's famous for his music. And then, you know, it took a while, mm-hmm. but that just sort of speaks to the unique, um, a presence, but status that he has mm-hmm. that he's kind of just kind of out there. Yeah. His image kind of like a Marilyn Monroe or James Dean, like so disconnected from the, what he actually did that someone like me who wasn't there in the fifties, wasn't there in the sixties, but you absorb it and you just sort of know about him. Like I was like all of my nieces and nephews also know that I'm like the Elvis. It's hysterical, but I, <laughs> said to my niece, my niece Pearl said something like, you know, you just know about Elvis. You just know that he existed. Like she went on this monologue about it. <laughs> she was like nine. And I was like, you're so right. I don't know why that is or how that happened. It's very strange. Um, in terms of like really wanting to write about him. So was that in childhood though? That you No, kind of, no. Yeah, I mean, discovering him was childhood okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like really getting into him, it I was always into him, but deciding to write about him, you know, was it was almost like I can't remember, it was maybe 10 years ago. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if I do this, if I even write a piece about one of his gestures. I'm never going to stop, which is mm-hmm. what I did. I wrote a piece about one of his gestures in the comeback special. And then I thought, well, I got to do it all now. I mean, I got to go. I gotta go. <laughs> like, oh God, I am never coming out of this hole. And I haven't ever since. So, but he's fun to write about because um, I like writing about people like, him. well, there really isn't anyone like him, but people who are, have sort of unique, um, places in the culture where they're taken for granted even though they're revered so there are still people who anyone could recognize Marilyn Monroe but it would still be a surprise to many people that she was a wonderful actor or that she was funny it's like her image is so detached from yes her work. Mm -hmm. And so he is just one of the most extreme examples of that um because his image is it's an avatar it's out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So to kind of wrestle with that, but also talk about the work is super fun. So, um, cause you have to deal with the myth. You have to deal with the persona and the hugeness of his fame because it, it plays into this. It plays into how we react to him negative or positive, um, so for me, those are really fun things to grapple with. Cary Grant, like any of those big, like almost mysteriously huge stars 
are challenging to write about because you want to get outside of preconceived notions, or at least I I really want to try to, I love Cary Grant. I love Marilyn Monroe, but let me try to really just write about her as though I don't even know anything else about her. And I'm just writing about this performance, you know, Mm -hmm. Elvis was obviously I took the Elvis thing farther than I took anybody else, but I have written about Cary Grant and Marilyn Monroe, but for me, Elvis, he's so much fun to write about and think about, and he's never ending source of kind of pleasure and thought provoking. Um, I don't know. I love him. Yeah. I think one of my favorite uh, points that you make in your outstanding piece that you wrote for Criterion is something like, you know, there were musicals, there were these types of films, but Elvis kind of invented his own genre. And so I think that is a really great uh, critique that you came up with there, because this is someone who, you know, people know from music originally, and then gets into film, then we had the comeback special. So you could have discovered him all of these different ways ways, right yeah but it's kind of it needs the joint and then the iconic status like you were talking about James Dean and Marilyn and Cary Grant and they're known for like sexiness or coolness or just their handsomeness yes exactly right and it's it's kind of this intimidating thing wrapped up into one and Elvis is such an extreme case because he had so much talent in you know across the board essentially and he is one of the most beautiful people of all time also the coolest yeah yeah right it's it's ridiculous which has to have been a weird i'm interested in that too you know what is it if you being beautiful like that is a different it's a thing it's a thing what what can that be like be like yes (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah um and you know, the whole sort of he made up his own genre. I mean, I feel like he I if he had had his way, he wouldn't have had no. wouldn't do that. He, I think he would have rather been in movies where he was just another member of the cast or he was, you know, did not create these. Yeah. Uh, you know, the silliness of the movies. Uh, but we can get into that because I have some thoughts about all of that. I don't know if you want me to get into that now or. It's up to you. I was going to say what makes him so compelling on screen, do you think? Because we could take it from all different kinds of angles here with like music and the beginning of his career and the history. But as far as we're talking about Elvis Presley, movie star, actor, what is it about what he brought to uh, films and also the way he started and his career that makes him so compelling, do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, his story is the story of him becoming a movie star, like right out of the gate is, again, it's unique. You really can't mm-hmm. compare it to People, you know, young pop stars would want that to happen, would wish that that would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, he was such a, uh, such a, he was so strange. He was such a strange figure that his desire to be a movie star, which he did, he really wanted it. He really, you know, he cried when James Dean died. He loved Marlon Brando, like that whole fifties rebel thing. 
um, even though he like drank milk and, you know, his mother wouldn't let him swear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he, he was, he was a rebel maybe culturally and on stage, but he was like a good mama's boy in a way yes. that Marlon Brando would be like, hey, get out of my way, you know? <laughs> um, so he wanted to be in the movies and there are a lot of mixed, you know, it's a blessing and a curse kind of thing. Like, uh, I don't know, the way it all played out is, again, only Elvis could have played out that way. He wants to be in the movies. Frank Sinatra wanted to be in the movies. Dean Martin wanted to be in the movies. And they yeah, were. They why were. did their careers look that way? And why did Elvis's turn out so bizarre? Like, <laughs> You know, I mean, I think part of it has to do with the decade that it all happened, which is the 60s. Yes. Very weird. Yeah, um, the, com- competing with television and just the era, rock and roll, the Beatles, a lot of different things at play. Yeah, he's like in this strange position of being and he was in movies that were not, um, you know, the 60s movies. It's like the explosion of uh, Freudian violence and sex in the 50s in Hollywood kind of contracted into like, yeah each blanket bingo and this i'm totally generalizing i know there was so much else going on oh no but i hear you mainstream film and he was part of that he was which is again so strange because he was such an avatar of sexual like rebellion yeah everyone knows about that sullivan show and yep it was very controversial and now Mm -hmm. suddenly some of these movies he doesn't even get to kiss anybody he keeps getting interrupted they're very coy so you know, there's some frustration with watching those, like, oh, if he could have been used a little bit better. But at the same time, you know, for what they are, and I don't want to, like, I love the silly movies. I love the formula movies. Um, I I hear, you know, it's pretty common to hear, um, I won't name names, obviously, but it's just a general feeling of like critics, cinephiles to say, mm-hmm. oh, King Creole is great. It has more of a pedigree. You know, it has Michael Curtis, all this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, let's not sneeze on Viva Las Vegas or uh, one of the ones we're watching today. Like it, they're light comedies. They're just and they're that's difficult to do. That's yeah, it's apples and oranges for some of these films. Yeah, it's like why put them all next to each other and just choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's hard to picture. Like he he had a very light touch, um, which I think I said to you before when we we're talking about Blue Hawaii. Like he 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 approached these sort of formulaic movies with humor, ease, charm. It's exactly what's needed. He he's mm-hmm. not. You never feel like he's slumming. You never feel like he's unhappy, except for maybe Paradise Wine Style and Clam Bake. I'm just going to say that. Those, you can tell he's like, yeah. are you kidding me? What the fuck? <laughs> but um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating career. I love it. Obviously, his music is amazing, and I love that. But there's something like deeply, like, it's hard to kind of connect him to anything else i tried in that criterion piece i i you know something like dean martin and jerry lewis their movies feel like you couldn't take dean martin or jerry lewis out of those movies and replace them with other actors no and the same thing with ellis 
I mean, you could take him out of King Creole. That could, that role could be played by any number of young rebellious. Yes. Mm-hmm. But girl happy? You can't no. take Elvis out of that and put him, replace him with somebody else. He's the only reason for the film to exist. And that's, I think, worth talking about and worth exploring. It's just so strange. I think yeah. it's right, you know? It is. The films that uh, Sheila selected for today, we should also point out that as we're recording this, Criterion does have a select um, Elvis collection of titles and they're adding Flaming Star, which is one of the films we're going to be discussing in September. So when this goes up, you'll be able to see that one. Also, the movies we're mentioning, you should be able to rent on streaming. They are available. Uh, Girl Happy, as I saw it, was available on HBO Max or Max. I still like to use the HBO name. I'm a rebel. Hey, I'm Elvis. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yes, so the films that we chose are Flaming Star, King Creole, Live a Little, Love a Little, which Sheila brought up last time we got together and inspired me like, I need to see that. And so I'm so glad that actually I had waited because I was able to watch it for this. Girl Happy is another one and The Trouble with Girls. So we have a couple with girls there. Uh, which is a nice little, uh, yes, and it's perfect when we're thinking about Elvis. My favorite Elvis performance is definitely Wild in the Country. I think that might be his best um, film, actually, as you brought up. It's a strange movie. It is a very strange movie. Some of the films that he made are strange, but in movies like that and a couple of the ones we're going to discussing it kind of shows you like if he had had some of the roles they gave to you paul newman montgomery clift robert mitchum like it would have been an interesting experience you know yes yeah or if he had done thunder road with robert mitchum i mean my goodness what could that have been like yes amazing yeah there's all, all kinds of stories about you know, he was on the radar of Tennessee Williams, you yeah. know, Sweet Bird of Youth. There were like things were floated out there mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and it just wasn't meant to be, obviously. No. Um, it was that was not the career he was going to have. And, you know, one of the conundrums with Elvis that you just have to grapple with and accept. Ex- Except is that he was a rebel on stage and he was very obedient off and mm-hmm. you know he had great respect for authority too much maybe you know he he was naive a little bit um, but he also was very loyal and he you know he was unhappy with his career yeah uh, you know you read about him and like anytime he put his foot down and he did put his foot down mm-hmm. he got what he wanted he was yeah quick- very powerful and insistent but for the most part he was he felt trapped in this he was like betty davis back in the 30s i am trapped in this contract which is a you know draconian that he couldn't get out of it and he Mm -hmm. was afraid of being sued he didn't want uh to be broke because he grew up poor you know yeah um so so his obedience to the studios to Colonel Tom Parker can can be frustrating when mm-hmm. you like just tell him to buzz off, Elvis. You know, <laughs> do. Yeah. Um, but I kind of admire him for, 
you know, what he did with yeah. the films that he had. Yes, for sure. And that yeah. you don't, you don't tell he's, he's charming and funny in these silly movies and that's, what's necessary. You know, you try yeah. to do Hawaii, you, you, you know what I mean? I like know. strolling around in that bathing suit with yeah. that ukulele. I mean, and not look like <laughs> so silly, you know? Yes. So Yes. Well, the first one chronologically is King Creel, which you touched on. It is an excellent film. It's very artful. I mean, it is uh, Michael Curtiz that we're dealing with. And Walter Matthau is a really good uh, foil for him. I love Walter Matthau. So good. Yes. So you have a gangster picture. They, They added in a bunch of songs for Elvis. You can imagine like somebody like Paul Newman around this time playing that role other actors but i love that it was elvis because he is very good here yeah Yeah. excellent and he's surrounded by you know carolyn jones is just a heartbreaker i mean yes but she is just so good i mean she's being trafficked Mm -hmm. it's clear what is happening with that character and then you have dolores hart who plays Nelly, who is the, you know, it's the nice girl and the bad girl, but yeah, it really isn't there. It really isn't sort of characterized that way. It's like, they're both human beings who both kind of, um, I, I like that. There isn't like that binary, like you love both of them. You see what both yes. of them could offer. And then in the end, is he even into it? Is he even he needs to figure himself out. That's really the very much. Yeah. It isn't thing, like, like some of his other films where the end goal essentially is to find love or which girl. I mean, in this case, they're all just trying to figure themselves out, get uh, independence and figure out what is next because of the circumstances in which they find themselves. Yeah. 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 And like dad, you know, it's one of the few times in any of his movies that he actually has a family. <laughs> yeah, he has a sister like, and a dad, people he's supporting. Yeah. You know, and like clearly like middle class family, like again, in the sort of formula movies in the middle, they take place in like a kind of classless utopia of beaches and cars. And like, it's not the normal, it's not a recognizable world. But King Creole is, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, the dad's a pharmacist. He's a fallen on hard times the sister is putting the bread on the table he's flunking out of high school and you know working in a burlesque house in the mornings and so it's like putting him in a context like that which you know i think really served him and he you can feel him because i'm like familiar with his work and he by this he is able to go toe to toe with Walter Matthau, with Carolyn Jones, where he was kind of intimidated in maybe Love Me Tender or, you know, in this, you see him just, he's so good in yeah. those scenes. Um, yeah, I read this was like his favorite performance, his favorite role as far as all of his films went. Is that what you had heard too? Yeah, I think he was really, really proud of it. And he was treated with um, respect. And Curtis was, uh, Walter Matthau tells some really funny stories about, um, you know, Curtis's accent, which was like incomprehensible to so many people. (laughs) He called um, Walter Matthau Valti and he called it Elvi. So he'd be like, Elvi Valti, come over here, you know. (laughs) And he 
kind of was very um, just kind of impressed with Elvis's sort of politeness and all of that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thing that was very natural to Elvis and that he came prepared. He was mm-hmm. meticulous with his lines, with being on time. You know, he really was very professional and also just absolutely stunning. So I feel like Curtis and his team just found so many fun ways and beautiful ways to frame him and light him and in ways that most of his other films you don't get. It's just bright light in Elvis's face. You know what I mean? Like let's just Yes, in that New Orleans setting and it was shot there and it's just all so majestic and so shadowy. And I think that would have helped the performance too. Yeah. 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 It it you could see what how how sort of beautiful he was, but I hate to keep saying strange, but he really was like imagine him walking through the door, like the you know, <laughs> his presence. And so Curtis kind of highlights that, like like one of my favorite numbers that he does in um oh, and um Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller wrote many of the yes. songs. So he had really good again pedigree with um the music there, but um, he has one number, New Orleans. He's just, and it's kind of an old, you know, kind of jazz burlesque type horns. And Curtis has put him, he's on a stage and it's shadows with like a harsh spotlight below him. So he's, it's almost, it's almost a horror type lighting. Okay. It's like this. Yes. And the shadows that are cast are enormous of all of his Mm -hmm. horn players it's like there's disembodied beings on the curtain behind and um it's just like it looks so great and i was like god elvis looks so great in this you know when you put a little bit of time Mm -hmm. he looks you know um and each number that he sings has a different vibe and a different feel and um different lighting scheme so i think curtis really took it seriously you can tell Yeah. Um, this is a, you know, not a story that's going to change the world, but it's like, what's going on right now in 1958, we got tormented young men with greased up hair, having feelings across Mm -hmm. the land. And so (laughs) stories. Um, so yeah, I love King Creole. Yeah. It's a coming of age in between high school and college, that time period in your life. And, you know, I think the fifties are kind of known for exploring that and i love that you were pointing out the composition of the shots and the lighting because yes so much care is taken sometimes in some of the films that he made later it was very they were like factory assembly line directors you know asleep at the switch you can imagine the most exciting thing they thought of all day was like where are we ordering lunch from that kind of thing and here you know, there is so much to the this film. And it's just like when you watch it, and I was rewinding some of the scenes that I liked again and finding it just so glowy and uh, memorable compared to, you know, the films I think that people most associate with him. Yes, and I think, uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a good one to start with, just so you can a see. A good gateway movie. You know. This one, and Wild in the Country, and, yeah. you know, Flaming Star, too. Another really sure. great performance. Yeah. 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 This one, you know, it has the um, noir tropes. Like, it, it's, it's recognizable as, like, I was going to say a film, but I, you know, 
just shows that I'm thinking of uh, like Elvis movie, the Elvis formula movies, like a product. Yeah. Um, but again, my, I have my, they have my heart. Like I will pop and girl happy. Any, like it's the most uh, fun, you know, in, in a way that I think is, um, they're very after like when they work yes. when they yeah. work they're um just like the perfect entertainment you know but king creole is a recognizable style recognizable themes um really um gifted mm-hmm. director worked in every single different genre who seem to really be intrigued by lighting elvis by framing elvis by mm-hmm. letting elvis kind of just be and he is is wonderful in it He's wonderful in it. And it's very powerful. The ending of the yeah. movie is one of those very potent uh, endings as far as Elvis goes. It's not two people in a car driving up. And those movies are fun. But, you know, you're not going to forget this one. It yeah. feels a little bit more like a Tennessee Williams kind of ending. Yeah. 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 And Dolores Hart, too. It's just. Oh, my goodness. Part. She's it's great. Yeah. So good. Ned. That scene where he is like takes her out and takes her to that you know, hotel, mm-hmm. like next to room for an hour. And this is a nice girl. And like in that scene in the hallway is like, yes. When she's like, well, I really want to see you again. Is this the way to do it? And you just feel so, Oh my God. Yeah. No, and she became a nun soon after, like literally in real life, that actress. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite like acting scenes. And Again, I think she is so good in that scene. And you see him dealing with it, dealing with what's in front of him, which is this devastated woman. So he was responsive to reality. He wasn't thinking about how am I supposed to play this scene? He was. Yeah. She was so in it. So good. Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite anecdotes in the piece you wrote for Criterion talking about Love Me Tender and a scene that he played opposite uh, the woman who starred at his mom. Mildred Dunnick. Yes. You want to share that one? So there's a scene where um, the, you know, there's a bunch of guys coming to look for all the brothers. So there's horses galloping up onto the, and it's very bad news that these, that this, gang posse is coming up the drive and so he uh clint who is um elvis's character picks up the gun and races out the door that's what the script is he's gonna go and he's gonna Mm -hmm. and um mildred dunnick who plays the mother um says put that gun down and the first time they did it elvis put the gun down because he was (laughs) listening he listening yep do what your mother tells you, first of all, but also that, and she, you know, it's a funny story. And I wish we had that sort of blooper, like you know, yeah. you're, supposed to, you're supposed to ignore your mother, Elvis and run out the door. But she said, I'm not sure if it was who, who where this interview came from. If it, I, I read it. It was in um, Peter Garalnik's biography, but she said, it's a funny story, but it also showed he had the element of acting, which is to believe. Yep. He listened and he believed in the moment. He heard her, which so many people, but anyway, it's. um, Listening in character is, is very yeah. important. The ability yeah. to think or. He was yes. very concerned about, okay, how am I going to say this next line? He was a total amateur. He was and thrown into this situation. He didn't know what the hell he was doing, but in <laughs> that moment he was listening to her. Um, So that's pretty that's- cool. 
It is. And it kind of dovetails perfectly into Flaming Star, which is a another film that is a Western and involves um, a son kind of wanting to protect his mother and right. stay involved. He is somebody of mixed race in this Western that was directed by Don Siegel. Um, he plays, um, you know, half Native American young man and a half Caucasian. And he has white brother and white father and he's protective of his mother but what's interesting at the beginning of flaming star is his brother the the white brother essentially his half brother is extremely protective of his mom as well and uh, cares about her and it's a really ahead of its time film it's a great Western, it's one he made. We should have probably, my fault, said uh, King Creole was the like last movie he made before he went into the service. And then this is when he came back, one of his first really great um, roles. Yeah. 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 I love Flaming Star. And it's Don Siegel, which is interesting. Yeah. So he got to be, um, there's some interesting, interesting anecdotes about this. Like they, um, he sings the theme song, which is mm-hmm. Flame Star. Um, and then he sings the one song at the family, at the party yes. in the beginning, mm-hmm. which he didn't want to do because he always mm-hmm. didn't want to sing. But there was supposed to be two more songs. And listen to what one of the scenes they wanted him to sing was when they go to the Native American camp. Oh, boy. Can you imagine? No. So, Elvis, this is one of the times Elvis put his foot down and said, we could do the birthday party one, but like no other. No, no. It to be a musical. Um, Anyway, so. Good for you, Elvis. Yes. He was like, it felt wrong. It's not right. Um, So, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a fine theme song and the birthday party scene. It's like the first scene in the movie, like get it out of the way and then get into um, and it's hard to picture the character Pacer, which is his name. Like yeah. once you get to know Pacer, you're like, he's this like, guy is not breaking party. in the song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but seeing him in a Don Siegel, because it's interesting because as things go south mm-hmm. in this story, Pacer is the one who. Like he's almost at first you feel like, oh, he's the one who's under threat because mm-hmm. the townspeople are turning against the, fa- well, they're turning against the family. They're getting ready for this war with, you know, yeah. uh, but he takes charge of the situation. He is making all kinds of decisions like, okay, well, I'm going to go, but he's torn too. He's torn. He loves his family, but he has two families and he, he at a certain point like how how he is being treated by everybody i mean it's fascinating yeah it is, you know and his awareness is evolving over the course of the film yeah, yeah. Like, okay where is my loyalty but it's my mother but you don't watch him like you don't watch him sort of take moments and grapple with it there isn't enough time what no is him owning every moment like like protecting his mother dealing reacting. with whoever comes to the door reacting and that's don siegel's like don siegel and like action and dealing with you know complicated keeping i mean it is a very sort of um tense 
a tense film, right? Yeah. Like the painful, painful moments of mm-hmm. like the people are that you meet in that town are just except for Barbara Eden. You love Barbara Eden, right? Yes. Um like the harrowing scene where these people come to the door and the mom wants to, I mean, she nurses people oh, and she, mm-hmm. you know, and these men come in and then how they act when he leaves the room and just, you know, it, it's really intense. And you can kind of see that foreshadows too, like some of the films that Don Siegel is going to make. Absolutely. And also then when Elvis returns, he he knows something has happened, but he doesn't know what. And uh, he plays it very well. Yeah. 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 And um, we should mention it is Dolores Del Rio, wonderful Dolores Del Rio yes. playing his mother. So it's 1961, however. So we do have, you know, the issue of it is not a, you know, we don't have, we have our Mexican American. Yeah. It is an Akiowan. Yeah. It's one of the, you know, um, but it the subject matter is treated with real sensitivity and it is for what it is at the time. Like I wasn't aware, I was just looking something up that like South Africa wanted to ban it because of the interracial marriage. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. They wow. like it, like it, it, that was what was most controversial to them. About oh, wow. The, was that a white man would not marry a white woman. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah. Vile. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so the message, it's a very sort of specific message. They don't, um, back away from the message. Mm-hmm. He is, is the character. Cause he's in between that has to grapple. Yes. He has maybe what, like 20 lines in the whole thing. Like that's yeah. what's cool about it. It's all action. He's like loved riding horses. He was, there's a couple of moments where you can tell he's riding and he's doing some very difficult riding. There's one where he's, there's some really tricky stuff. Yeah. And it's all in one. You can tell it's him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of cool seeing him. Um, Again, with shot composition that matters. Yeah. When I was looking up the movie to like kind of tweet about it and I was looking at photos. I mean, some of these stills, it, this is the era when Westerns were, you know, huge on the screen to try to, you know, compete with television. Right, right. This is a stunning looking movie. And I love how you can just see a lot of it playing out on his face. That great listening that we were talking about. It's right yeah. there. Yeah. No romance. No. So it's not about that, which is, you know um an outlier in his career yeah kind of interesting and he's um quiet and alert and very like like butch like he's butch he takes yes. charge of things he's like yeah it's a marlon brando so, kind yeah yeah like um almost anti-charming now he's like so beautiful that you are yeah it's hard to deal with but he is not playing it's it's not about that this role um he is like you know shirtless for quite a bit of it which is another rare thing he looks great too yeah he was very in shape at this point yeah it's prime elvis yeah 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 but i you know so i think it uh I get very wrapped up in that family dynamic. Like yeah. I see it. I feel like 
Those actors are all wonderful. I completely believe it. Um, it's a good ensemble movie too. Yeah. It isn't True. like Elvis's name. I, it probably was above the title. I don't but, know. But yes, it, yeah. but it's in a different yeah way. Yeah, for sure. They have like you know, Barbara Eden is sort of the girlfriend of the brother, and she wears britches, and you know, so you yes. feel a little bit of the you know burgeoning feminism coming into the western of like you know we're yeah. not gonna, this is like a girl who you know she's doesn't care what the townspeople think and she's gonna be with it you know yeah uh, so yeah the there, dick van dyke show stuff crossing over yeah. like the wearing pants yes for sure so you know western you need that yeah yeah so i yeah. think it did well enough but um it's enough that it it didn't do well enough i i don't know it yeah then you know films like blue hawaii there was gi blues some of these were such big hits they just wanted to keep replicating them and making those yeah. as cheaply as possible yeah. i think you said three times a year some of these films are coming out yeah. and you know with this assembly line precision or precision and one of the films that is quite a bit of fun from this era is the next one that you chose that you said you can watch anytime it is really fizzy effervescent a great spring break movie i mean uh you have girl happy there with happy. one of his uh co-stars that he works with quite a bit was this their first movie him and Shelly first and they're very you can tell how much they think each other is funny it's like they're yeah kind of chemistry but there's like emotional humor chemistry with them um caring about each other oh they yeah. really like each other so like yeah. i think yeah she did speedway there was another one um like clam bake oh which is the terrible one that's right yeah like a really bad one but um she uh yeah this was the first one she's just so adorable the plot is insane yes. ridiculous <laughs> yeah uh, I, mean, you know, I mean think yes. about it for like two seconds it's like this is really gross <laughs> it is you know what i mean um the dad is a gangster from Chicago who wants to protect his daughter's virtue on spring break. So, you know, he does what everyone would do in that situation. He hires a musician to go down there. He looks like, like Elvis. To like looks, be, yeah, the yeah like she should not lose her virginity. Elvis, you got to keep an eye on that. Like the last person that you can. Yeah. And they're supposed to like just basically him and his Yahoo, you know, yeah. Band members are supposed to hover nearby and make sure that no guy gets fresh and that she's home at a certain night and meanwhile she has no idea that she's being followed by no. the musician. it's creepy yes it's so bizarre and <laughs> they they assume they get one look at her there's so many weird funny things in this like they get an a glimpse of her and she's like reading a book i think and they're like oh we don't have to worry about her yeah Oh, nobody's coming after her. And then they see her in her bathing suit and they're like, uh oh, okay, now it's time. Um, <laughs> there's all of that. There's very, um, there's this funny thing that keeps happening with Elvis and this girl that he's into and he wants to sleep <laughs> with. Marilyn Mobley. Yes. Every time, as you said, like they almost kiss or there's like the seduction is almost going to happen or he's almost going to, you know, score. Essentially, the phone rings or a guy comes over. Oh, and no, we got to run. It's called away. Yeah, she's, 
yeah. he's going out. I don't understand that woman's character. So she's <laughs> she's so like weird. Yeah. playing hard to get. She almost never speaks. No. She's called out of the stage up up onto the stage when he's performing to do this wolf call thing and she is a hot tamale just like yes. shaking shaking around and having a good time then she's coy with him Plain and hard then, to get then but not hard to get and then completely not and then furious when he's busy like furious like throwing glasses at so i don't understand her character and maybe really really crazy yeah completely manufactured conflict um yeah but there's something about it um you know he sings um the stakes could not be lower no and you never really buy the chemistry like you were saying between the two but they're adorable together so cute and she's so cute like like she's being courted by courted, you know, around yes. it by this Italian Italian count. Well, he's not a count. That's Viva Las Vegas, but hot I, lips or something. You know, yeah. Know, something. Yeah. Up to no good. Like he's yes. got his own boat. He gets her drunk. So, you yes. know, he's up to no good. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, he's not a valid rival in any way. You forget mm-hmm. his existence. Yeah. For- long periods of the movie um he makes about as much sense as the character of the eldest girlfriend yes they should get together because yeah um i actually kept waiting for that to happen i know i have seen this movie before but i completely forgot i'm just like oh those two are gonna meet and no (laughs) and like and there's the whole like stripper who comes into the yeah who i love there yeah you know and she's just like there is a level of like stripping is liberating. Yeah. Um, They managed to kind of get some subversive stuff in there. And then she's the most practical one. Who's like, honey, you gotta, you know, she's living in the real world. She's like the only person in that whole movie who lives in an actual (laughs) real world. Um, But I don't know. There's something about it that um, the colors are just to die for. It's like, yes. The whole thing it's, is beautiful. Yeah. Little seedry. Candy coated. Yeah. Is it's a little strange because I think he goes like water skiing in uh long sleeves. And you know, so some of that's a little strange, but it's a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And then he how many times did he go water skiing in his movies? Because Viva Viva Las Vegas is very funny because they're suddenly like professional <laughs> water skiers like jumping over the waves. Um so yeah, there's like weirdness, like how old are those guys? Like, Elvis is I don't know, 26? Tw- no, he's older. It almost that. seemed like they were, yeah, some of them were pushing 30. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they looked way older than they looked like, so they're like uh, you know, staring at the girls on the beach with binoculars from two feet away. And um, this is the coy kind of lascivious side of 60s cinema, like leering, which is sometimes like really gross. Um, you know what I mean? It's like sex has been is no longer a part of film. It's not going to be shown. Nobody's going to get into bed with each other. And so then it comes out in this twisted, weird kind of way. Um, the era of the pill and, you know, all of that is yeah, happening the, off screen. Yeah. Off screen. It's like, it yeah. hasn't really like the films no. in the 
you know, fifties were much more frank about, Oh yeah. Everything about life. So it's not, since those are sidekicks and peripheral guys, I don't mind it as much. And the girls are pretty funny as well. Like all the girls, everyone's just there to have a good time. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're looking for her there. She's disappeared with mm-hmm. the Italian guy and they're wandering around looking for her. And like people are popping out of the bushes. Yes. Literally everyone is having sex everywhere. Like, like, yeah. if you, want, you know, it's like there are hundreds of people behind every tree having a great time at spring break. So they're at least people are having fun. I don't feel like the women in the movie are being targeted or made fun of, or mm-hmm. sometimes I feel in th- those sort of sex comedies in the sixties. Yeah. I mean, like, and he's not playing a tour guide who just all of a sudden starts spanking people. <laughs> a teenage girl. Yes. Like yes. In Hawaii. Very weird. Um, <laughs> so, but it's not, you know, it obviously is not taking place in a real. No. Like, Don't day. think about like, this too hard, people. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really like at one point, you know, he's, there's a boat that's being you know, carry down the street at the speed of light. And then it crashes into the motel pool and Shelly doesn't even really notice that any of that's happening. Cause she's too drunk and she's having a great time. Um, yes. So yeah, I picked this one because, because it's kind of as kind of as silly as it gets, you know, mm-hmm. and without, Elvis just kind of being he's just being I this is not Elvis Elvis this is a character that Elvis kind of created yeah it's almost like Elvis in italics essentially yeah exactly it's it's there is an irony and self-awareness of what he's doing um that I don't know that makes it he's not just kind of standing there being charming. It's kind of difficult. He gets to do some um, really kind of funny uh, physical comedy here. Like he's got the, the hot babe on the patio. He's got um, the cutie coming in excited Mm -hmm. kind of with love in her eyes. And he's got a, he's lying to both of them and offering them champagne and chicken, but trying to keep. And I think he's, goes for it he goes yeah for and it's um you know i love it i wish i wish there were more silly movies with people doing slapstick stuff i i, I you know what i mean there's no shame I in this comedy yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Does, even that's not everything has to be serious um no and uh yeah so this one i felt i just felt like this is kind of really representative of what these movies did the Elvis formula movies is um, when they did them really well. Viva Las Vegas, I think is the peak of that. And that has its own unique, it broke a bunch of rules, mm-hmm. a bunch of the rules for like the Elvis formula movies. Mean, meanwhile, I mean, mostly because of Anne Margaret who just, yes. you know, it's female Elvis. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Here he's just, yeah. he's, he's alone, but um, I love girl happy. I'm, I'm shouting it out. I was really excited about 
Live a Little, Love a Little, which is one of his last movies. I think the way you described it to me was like, it's a lost screwball movie or kind of like bringing up baby, but late 60s Elvis. And it's just fun and fresh. And so I would, I know it's one of your favorites. I'd love for you to introduce it to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, it's like a completely forgotten film and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was forgotten upon arrival except (laughs) for um uh, a little less conversation which was one of the you can still hear it on the radio today and Mm -hmm. he sang it and uh uh, live a little love a little but um so this was directed by norman torog who directed nine of elvis's movies elvis liked him because he kept things light kept things fun elvis didn't want anyone he knew what he was doing. We're making silly movies. I don't want anyone who's a bummer. Okay. If we're not having fun doing this, why are we doing it? And mm-hmm. he, he really liked uh, Tarok for that. But this movie shows, what is it? 1968? Is that the year? Yes. Um, so things have, the world has changed. And now, you know, 1962, 1963, Elvis movies can no longer ignore what's going on in the world mm-hmm. um or in the culture larger culture so you can see a lot of things like he plays a photographer and photographers were suddenly everywhere in film in like the late 60s you know um it was like this kind of hip new like fashion photography was this new thing and um like blow up and um peeping Tom and all of these other things. Uh, So he's plays a fashion photographer who loses his job. Right. Yeah. And then is basically commandeered. Yeah. Yeah. Does he kind of, I don't know the order, but yeah, he he loses his job. He loses everything basically. Yeah. Like 24 hours, but he is like basically kidnapped by this kooky, screwball mm-hmm. um dame who lives on the beach it looks like malibu and who just sees him driving his uh, dune buggy on the beach and says well i mean i'm gonna be with him yeah that's that's it I'm, I'm done and he's mine and he is a workaholic and he wants nothing to do with her but she then you know locks him out of his house, locks, steals his clothes, um, roofies him. She roofies him so that he can crazy. Yeah. She, and so that she, he falls asleep in her house. He, um, then has to take on two. Anyway, screwball hijinks ensue the, you know, it's, it's any story like what's up doc, which was, I was just going to say that she's basically, yeah. Of like these women or, Catherine Hepburn in bringing up baby. And there are quite a few nods to bringing up baby in this. Um, she steals his clothes while he's in the shower. That's one thing. Um, they, and then the dog, that's, the dog. <laughs> that's almost like a leopard or leopard. something. It's huge. And it's so it huge. Sleeps in a baby crib. Yes. And it's just, what's his name? Albert Arnold, yeah. something uh, like that. And, um, so, you know, I don't know if I buy their chemistry. It's definitely a late 60s, like, kooky with lots of, like, you know, there's a scene that's clearly um, 
she is really There's good. Michelle Carey. Love. Yep. She's. Yeah. So she kind of has like this Lindsay Lohan sort of vibe. Like, yeah. the, I don't know, just her, the way she sounds and her energy. Like you could kind of see that a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And she's completely earnest. Yeah. Like, you know, like well, one of why those... wouldn't I roofie yeah. you and steal your clothes and like, you know, well, I have to have you here. Exactly. Yeah. And you're the right. But she also has all these other guys buzzing around her. Like ex yes, Dick Sergeant. All... Yeah. Dick Sergeant. Oh, her, her name changes every two seconds. Yeah. Right. And like, I don't think she's had sex with anyone. And then yeah, they have weird. sex and, and yes, because she has that on the mirror, whatever. Thank you for making a woman out of me, which is, you know, a little like, cringe. What, is, what? What? And um, anyway. Uh, and so there's like a Playboy Mansion type place. There's it's anyway. I We have Rudy Valley. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. The conservative. Like he gets a job as sort of like. He's essentially the guy in blow up, basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Blow up. Right. Yeah. But for like a Hefner type. And then he has the conservative boss and the conservative boss is Rudy Valley and he has to run up and down. And, yeah, they're in know. the same building. So he's running himself ragged, being running up and down the stairs. Yeah. It's so and, zany. It's like 89 yeah. minutes and, you know, it yeah. speeds right by. Yeah. And it's great to see him. Like you can tell. That's one of the reasons why I, when we were talking before, I was like, it probably would be good to talk about these in order because it's what you're, what you're seeing is um, as the sixties um, come to the close. I mean, it's just so interesting what was going on in the sixties with him, but also the wider culture and how his movies could just completely are in a little bubble Um not yeah, just about what's going on in the world, but also yeah. like, you know, films are changing and things are like, things are happening. And so by the end of the sixties, when Elvis really wasn't a thing anymore, which is so, he was only 31. I mean, mm-hmm. you know yeah, I mean? he got like a lifetime achievement award by like 35 or something he's, like that. Yeah. He's not like you're you know, over the hill Elvis. Yeah, He's 10 years into his career. And by this point, like, burnout talk about taking taking for granted like his movies weren't big events nobody was taking them seriously or going to see them but one of the flip sides of that is that stuff starts to get really kooky like in this one yeah Um, they're just having fun with um with this with this sort of premise of this man who is driven mad by this woman who will not leave him alone and you know, without going too deep into it, what I, what I really appreciate about this and why I think it's so funny is that I funny, but also like true is that it's the only time that Elvis is like, um, beauty and charisma that he is allowed to have feelings about it that aren't positive. He is allowed to be like, everybody get off my back. I got work to do. Like in this yeah. movie is like over it. He is mm-hmm. over it. Like this woman is so into him and he wants nothing to do with it. Yes. He's not 
going to throw her a smile. He is cranky. He's got five o'clock shadow and he's beside himself. You know what I mean? Or when he picks up that woman at the party, it's almost like just mechanical (laughs) almost, you know? Yeah. Right. So I, that's like refreshing. It's almost, which is another sort of bringing a baby ish, um, type of vibe like what is so funny about seeing Cary Grant who is one of the most glamorous men ever is seeing him completely not interested in this or in love and being like I've got to get back to work you know mm-hmm. like nerd it, and um or Ryan it, O'Neill and what's up doc yeah, like, I mean, yes yeah and so to have these like really beautiful people getting kind of sort of cranky and itchy about being desired where you know, for someone like Elvis as a rock star, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. him, he was supposed to be totally okay with it and encourage it. And in this, he's, he's like, listen, lady, I'm sick of it. You know, it's funny. It's funny, you know, and it feels like it's hitting on hitting a nerve. It's like, there is a truth to it that he's never, you're not going to ever say, God, no. I wish screaming women would just get off my back and give me some privacy. You know, mm-hmm. he probably felt that sometimes, but you could kind of see it here. It yeah. Kind of good. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. And I got to get out of here because give me my clothes. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. And our last movie was one of his last films. Yeah. I mean, I think Change of Habit might have come out at the end, but this was right before it. This was another one that is new to me. A very strange film. Yes. The Trouble with Girls, which is kind of a weird title for what it's about. Um, um, yeah. Because Mm-mm. it's about, it's not about uh, that at all. the Chautauqua in 19, I think, 27, like a traveling medicine show. There's There's murder. It's very strange it's like a variety show kind of setup um it is a real ensemble film kind of like you know king creole and flaming star felt like ensemble movies and uh yeah so tell me about this one this is really a forgotten film um Mm -hmm. so it's 1969 so Woodstock and just you know. saying that name and looking at what Elvis was doing on screen, like how out of touch he must have seen yes. people, you know? Um, so this is, there's no other movie like this in Elvis's um, filmography because there are long sections where he's not even in it. No, this that that literally doesn't exist except for love me tender where that was his first film. And he, um, but 10, 15 minutes there, it is a true ensemble film. And so you, so there's that. So he's like the manager of this Chautauqua show head to toe white suit. Mm -hmm. um, He's kind of playing Colonel Tom, white shoes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But and I mean, it's just a quite a production too. Um, mm-hmm. so many extras. I mean, have you like the like? Oh my gosh, that last uh, thing with the signs of the zodiac, which is a really catchy number. But when yeah. you look out in the crowd, you're like, wow, yeah, yeah. And like all of those scenes in the town and stuff. Like this is the time of like, yeah. And uh, Elvis's movies are often very sparsely populated. It's yeah. like. This is like Hello Dolly compared to it, that. It, it yeah. reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. And so you have, 
this whole little town and what's going on with every single person in the town when Chautauqua comes to town. So you have the Dabney Coleman, like great um, character actors. Dabney Coleman, of course, plays the best like prick. You know, he yeah, uh, he's uh, like slimy. Store. Oh, and just a dick. And mm-hmm. um, he's having kind of a. I mean, he's really using this poor, like, floozy woman who worked. He's just, you know, she's going along with it because he's her boss and Mm -hmm. she's a daughter to feed, like, a small child. And that's um, uh, Sherry North, who is just an excellent, excellent actress. She's a tragic kind of character. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all these other little sort of things that are happening in this town. And then Chautauqua comes to town. And I just, um, the pressure's super off Elvis. I mean, at this point, I don't think he felt any pressure. He's mm-hmm. almost out of his contract and he's so excited. He's already done his comeback special. You know what I mean? He's he's like TikTok. I don't have to make a movie. <laughs> exactly. He's like, can we cut me out of more scenes, please? Yeah. <laughs> but he, he kind of just strolls through this movie. He has almost no stakes. No. Um, except for a little bit of maybe... Um, romantic chemistry with Marlon Manson, Marlon Manson, um, his sort of um, one of his co-workers. She's fabulous in this. Yeah, she's amazing. And they clearly have some kind of history and, you know, but it's not the point. And they're very funny together. Mm-hmm. The murder that occurs, Vincent Price shows up. Yeah. Uh, Carradine, Papa Carradine, he plays like a Shakespearean actor who comes like it's all kinds of people who are in this thing. Um, what's her name? Joyce Van Patten, right? Mm-hmm. Is the long distance swimmer. So, you know, what is the point of this whole thing? Um, there is a variety show element to it. Elvis, but it's not Elvis. Elvis sings two songs. Yeah. Um, one of them, he steps in, I have my quotes for the, um, gospel quartet, which is so thrilling to me that he actually gets to sing gospel. I know. And he loved that song so much. And that's actually the Jordanaires who sang with him. Yes. It's so cool. Um, Yeah. He, you know, he's in this movie that nobody's going to care about. Nobody's going to see. And he's, I love that performance of this. He's, Swing Low Sweet Chariot. And then he sings another song, which is basically scolding the town for being judgy. Um, clean, uh, take care of your own backyard. Don't you pay them no mind. Like basically like stop judging your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And that's um, really kind of sexy performance that he gives. There's all kinds of weird um, camera choices that are made of like from the perspective of the children from the perspective of um i don't know i don't know it's one of those like who's who who is the lead here like we're in the children's perspective looking up at elvis we're in the um drunken woman's perspective (laughs) i don't know i like it i like it because it is a little loose and messy and he kind of strolls through it super chill he is super chill he interacts with everybody he's listening he um it's like the week before summer vacation essentially for elvis yeah Yeah. like he's just 
on autopilot like looks but he you looks know what there's a murder mystery happening. whatever but he yeah. he like solves but he uh, but he's also like he listens to this um i'm not remembering the character's name now um this yeah um he listens to her talk about what's been done to her and he has almost no lines and he's just putting it together like he's seeing mm-hmm. her, how she's been treated and also seeing oh okay I get the score. I get the story of what's happened here. Yeah. And what's going to be done to her when people like, but he has no lines about that. So he's complete. He's, you know, he's a movie star. He's like a Burt Reynolds type part. Mm-hmm. You, know what I mean? you could totally see someone like you need anyway. I don't know. I, 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 uh, I love this movie. It's legitimately funny at times. It doesn't have, you don't have to grade it on a curve. I don't think, um, you know, you have all these little kind of dramas going on. You have, what it's are a the little like the music man in places yeah. or it feels like, yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. It's weird though. When you think, okay, so it's 1969, the world is exploding. Um, <laughs> Elvis, there've been assassinations and, Woodstock and Vietnam and on the moon and, and we're going to be doing this sort of elegiac because the movie is about the end of the Chautauqua circuit, you know, it's, mm-hmm. which was, yeah, it was based on a novel yeah. radio and all that kind of stuff. And so it has this sense of loss. There's a voiceover, you mm-hmm. know, kind of explaining what we're seeing and it goes from black and white to color. So to have yeah. Elvis again, who's like 32, Okay, it makes it seem like he's ancient, but he's 32 years old in this goodbye to the old world type of mm-hmm. movie in the middle of all of this upheaval is just, you know, of course, nobody's going to want to watch Trouble with Girls in 1969. Of course not. Um, but now outside of its context, I think it's a wonderful ensemble film and he's just wonderful in it. It's exactly what what you need him to be. He strolls around into every he finds things mm-hmm. finds things charming and then he finds things serious and um I don't know. It's a fully realized movie star performance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you you need. I mean if you're going to be strolling He couldn't around, have done that in 1960, we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, no. No. Mm-hmm. But by this point he really doesn't give a damn and um but again there's a difference between not giving a damn and like rolling your eyes and feeling yes like at your scene partners or now, yeah he, he really um loved working with all those people Dabney Coleman told some great stories about you know just uh playing football with them in between takes like Elvis was always very much like let's all just have fun while we're doing this. Like let's not, these are dumb movies. Let's not mm-hmm. um, take things too seriously. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, again, I feel like he's very present. That's the thing that I'm trying to say about this film. I feel like he's very present in every moment. Like there are moments where he just bursts out laughing at something his co-star is doing because she is ridiculous. She's like falling apart with how much she wants him and how angry she is that she wants him and like, no, screw you. You're like, I don't want you. And he just is laughing. Like what the, (laughs) like, it's so obvious what's going on. Um, and then sweet with the kids. I don't know. You, you have to be present. It's not shtick. 
it's um just being is hard yeah well I mean, we all know the most famous films, like we've cited um, Be the Las Vegas and stuff. Are there any other, because he did make, was it over 30 yeah. films, any other hidden gems you want to give shout outs to? Yeah. Um, Follow That Dream is worth seeking out. Um, oh, I like that one. I yeah. know Tom Petty. It's Yeah, he's got some That's good right. memories. Yeah, he does. It's another Florida one. He, um, like Girl Happy. Um, that one might not be streaming now. I actually looked for that reason. I have that on DVD right back there. You can probably see it. Um, follow that dream. Um, but again, I really like, I like some, like I love Speedway. Speedway is just pure fun. Um, you played a race car or a, ra- a boat I mean, racer. He liked to, so many t- yeah. Yes. He, he water skied a lot and he raced things. Yeah. Sometimes he, was a fishing boat captain at one point he flies a helicopter in the las vegas man of many talents um no wild in the country is definitely another one that should be discovered um it's excellent mm-hmm. and again when you put him with those three actresses yes all so good and he's so different with each one and it's i love that movie and his yeah. performance in it. um Viva Las Vegas. I mean, again, I like the late one. Speedway is pretty late. And that's like lean, mean Elvis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just looks like 5 million bucks. And the yeah. sirens are getting crazy. Um, <laughs> so for me, the real duds. Oh, and another one. Tickle me. Now, this might be a harder sell, but Jeremy okay. and I, um, we have bonded about our love of tickle me. Like we seem to get it. So Who? tickle me, Jeremy Ritchie. Oh, okay. Wonderful writer. Um, and his blog was moon in the gutter, which I don't think he keeps up anymore, but anyway, I've been like sort of blog friends with him for years and he's just a massive Elvis fan. Oh. So t- tickle me is like, I think it's like 1965. So in the middle of, and it's, um, he plays a rodeo rider and a singer who gets a job as a farmhand on a, I'm putting quotes around it. So don't come for me fat farm in the middle of the desert. So it's all women who are starving literally and physically in the middle of the desert. And he's like distracting them from their um, sure. yoga classes. Okay. Cause as they all, one does, that's a job. Right? Yep. So like you're, so it's all women one guy who looks like Elvis who keeps singing and then distracting them. It is. And then there's like a haunted house. There's like buried gold. It's it's, there's a <laughs> flashback to like the wild West. 13 like the writers. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's one of my favorites, but, and he, it's one of like, he, he, they kind of roped in some older songs. Like they were mm-hmm. so, but what's so funny about it is it really is tongue in cheek. Like once you get, oh, okay, they're actually making fun of what they're doing. It's very self-aware. They know that this is, they are putting in every single trope. Oh, let's just put Elvis in the middle of a fat farm and they're trying to do <laughs> their workout classes and he sings and oh no, everything goes crazy. And I just, um, it's very meta. And I feel like it could easily be written off. I I need to write more about that one. Tickle me. 
I was like, Jeremy, who else can I talk to about that? Um, but if you're but, a fan, hire Sheila is what we're saying for the so, criterion essay of Tickle Me. Yeah. But like Tickle Me is uh is um that's a pretty deep cut. And if you watched it just on the surface, you might think that I was like kind of making this up, but I'm telling you that this is um kind of maybe one of the most self-aware. They're all in on the joke. They're all in on the joke. And um, you know, you gotta make fun of it. You gotta make fun. Everyone knows that what they're doing is not. Yeah. I mean, and so something kind of interesting happens when they acknowledge that. And okay, let's just have, you know, ghosts coming out of the old saloon and it's a haunted saloon and there's buried gold and a bunch of, anyway, um, tickle me. Tickle me. Um, but I feel like live a little, love a little and trouble with girls are definitely obscure enough. Yeah. At the very end that, and live a little, love a little, I feel like is, there's no reason that that should not be, it's, a, you know, in any list of like good, sexy 60s comedies. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, screwball Elvis. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cranky yeah. screwball Elvis. Like I'm here for it. I wish he got to be cranky more. He's so funny when he's irritated. Yeah. He's never really got to do that. Like truly like. Like get the dog away from me. Get the girl get away, away from, from me. me. You're yeah. nuts. Like get like being rude. And uh, like, I want nothing to do with you. And yet still she. <laughs> Won't leave him alone because he's Elvis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, She's set her sights on him. Yeah. Well, Sheila, I want to thank you so much for doing this, talking about Elvis movies with me. It was so much fun uh, doing this last year with Elvis. We did pre-code. So you're going to have to come up with another topic for sure. Okay. Yep. We'll discuss. All right. I would love to come back. So congratulations too on your milestones and for everything you've created here. Um, It's an amazing archive. Love all your guests and you're an amazing host. Oh, thank you. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.